Welcome everyone to another Change Your Game with GTD podcast. My name is Robert Peake and I'm here with Todd Brown. Hello everyone. Hey Todd. In this podcast series, we look to elucidate, that's a big word, some of the getting things done principles. Getting things done, GTD being a methodology that helps you to keep track of all the things you need to do so that your head is free to be creative and spontaneous and frankly, live your best life. That's a lot of the intention of this. So if you've been out there seeking greater work-life balance, wanting to reclaim some headspace from the busy, hectic lifestyle we sometimes lead, this podcast is for you. Stick around. As always, we basically kind of chat and say, hey, should we do a podcast in advance of this? In fact, we thought maybe we should even lead off the podcast series rather than with our usual bumper with just, hey, should we do a podcast? Because <laughs> it is it is very much that way. Um, and then as we were kind of exploring topics and themes, uh, one of the things that came up and one of the things that we often hear about from others um, is others, is those people in your life and world who maybe aren't following getting things done best practices, shall we say. People who are a, a bit disorganized, people who don't necessarily keep all of their commitments, and people who generally make things a little bit harder sometimes for those around them, not necessarily wittingly and uh, maliciously, but for whatever reason, when you start to adopt some of these GTD principles, um, you start to notice, I think, others around you who aren't necessarily playing by the same rules. So we wanted to just talk from that standpoint about what do you do about that? And uh, of course, Todd, I, you know, you and I, having practiced this methodology between us for many decades now, um, come across this a lot, come across this frequently, um, because of course, we don't necessarily live in a world outside of of course, the, the next Action Associates company where everyone really does does do GTD. We don't live in a world where absolutely everyone does, at least yet. Maybe this podcast will change that. But I'm curious your, your thoughts and, and how you personally deal with some of the, um, let's say, the people who aren't always adhering to GTD best practices is the nice way maybe to put it. You know, as you're talking about it, Robert, something occurs to me, which I think is a is a core belief for an awful lot of people that will provide us with some rich, I think, some rich uh, foundations to build on here. And that and that is so in, in our seminars, sometimes one of the questions that we ask is what's getting in the way of your productivity? Right. What's what's keeping you from being, you know, your sort of optimally productive, clear headed, motivated, kind of in the groove self. And. A lot of different answers will come back, you know, some of them will be, well, you know, I'm, I'm spending too much time on my phone or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm my, my organizational systems are not set up optimally, but, but a, a really significant chunk of what will come back, uh, you know, from the group, when you ask that question, basically boils down to, hey, you know what gets in the way of my productivity, my colleagues, my colleagues get in the way of my productivity. If I had no colleagues, I'd get loads done. Right, seems to be the sort of the underlying, the underlying idea. Um, and and by the way, when this idea does come out in a seminar, what, what you don't want to do, of course, is turn just kind of turn the exercise into a bit of a gripe fest, right? So I sometimes, while I want to be sympathetic and I want to say yes, I do understand other people's behavior, of course, has impact on how we work and how effective we are. 
um, I sometimes bring in a quote from Aristotle. I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it's one of my favorite quotes attributed to Aristotle. I don't think we have him on a tape, you know, actually saying it or in a video actually saying we it. We should get him on this podcast. We, we really should. should. He'd I be think. a great guest. He what so a, would. He would. What a great idea. Anyway, the quote is, we cannot change the wind, but we can set the sails differently. And what I love about that is that it sort of moves your mind from, okay, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, the world just happens to me, there's nothing I can do about it, to, okay, well, the world is the way the world is, what can I do? Right? What, what can I do to sort of optimize my, my uh, you know, efficiency, ways of working, clear-headedness, reduce my stress levels, generate all of the benefits that we, that we want from GTD. But to come back to the question, so, so what do I see out there in the world? Well, yes. Um, a lot of people at the end of, uh, the end of, you know, if they're getting coached or and they're in one of our seminars, they'll at the end, they'll say, boy, it would be so great if my team could do this, right? And then you start to drill into, okay, well, what are the behaviors that the team are exhibiting, which are getting in the way of you being, you know, kind of optimally productive and, and, and what can you do about it, right? So uh, one that comes to mind straight away is the meetings we run. They're just, you know, first off, we're only in the meeting once a week because the meeting has been in the calendar once a week since the dawn of time. And nobody has ever questioned whether we should in fact be in this meeting every week. Okay, so there's one, one thing. So should we in fact even really be in the meeting in the first place? But let's assume that the meeting makes sense. In other words, there's some purpose. The meetings are spectacularly badly run, right? So nobody's really keeping track meeting to meeting about what are the commitments that got made in the last meeting? Who agreed to do what, right? Um, by when and you know are we tracking all of those results over time and then in the meeting itself right let's say in this week's meeting um there's generally speaking a lot of lack of clarity about <clears throat> what does done look like right this meeting is over when what what's our desired outcome right to use the gtd words about that and again as we have conversations there is generally speaking not a lot of of sort of consolidation of agreement about the commitments that we're coming to, right? So nobody, in other words, nobody's saying, well, uh, at the end of the meeting, nobody's saying, okay, now who's got projects as a result of what's happened in this meeting, right? And just go whip around the table and say, okay, well, I've got a project. I'm going to um, draft the budget for next year. Okay, and somebody else says, yeah, I've got a project. I'm gonna work with HR to come up with um, a, um, a job description for this job we just agree agreed that everybody said was going to be um, added to the team. So, um, so there's again, th so, so the result of that, if there isn't that kind of clarity at the end of the meeting, then people just kind of wander out and there's a little bit of, if not physical head scratching, mental head scratching about, well, okay, I'm not quite sure. Did I have a commitment? Was there somebody else? Is there so? And that, of course, means not just that the meeting itself was inefficient, but also that person, all, all the people who've been taking part in that in that meeting, are now walking out into the rest of their day with some mental residue, right? Because the clarity's not there. So, you know, on on, on the greatest hits list of ways in which other people's behavior is getting in the way of productivity, I think that would be high on many people's lists. Is let's just put it under the headline of of sub suboptimal meetings. How about you? What's what what uh, experiences have you had? I think that's a great one, and it's a great one in particular in those environments where you have some 
possibility of influence, you know, and and there there is the opportunity to influence your your colleagues, you know, in terms of how you run meetings. I think there is the opportunity to influence your direct reports. You can even start to create some simple systems with them that are inspired by GTD principles and best practices. Obviously, the best thing to do, we think, um, is send them to a seminar, you know, get them some coaching, get them on board the way that you're on board so you can have similar standards. But an inroad to that I've found is exactly what, what you just said, is, is starting to think about outcomes, <clears throat> starting to think about what we call projects, which are really multi-step outcomes and starting to get people to think about, you know, what are some of the finish lines you're going to cross to know that you've done some of these things you've said are important and where are you going to, where are you going to put those? So a boss who, you know, periodically says, Hey, can I have a look? Can we sit down and look at your project list? Can we look at your list of outcomes and talk about how those are going and talk about the relative priority of them is to me, someone that's starting to influence the culture in a in a GTD-like way. Um, now, I think also there are situations where you don't have a lot of influence in terms of being able to bring people up to your standards as well. Um, I have one at the moment. I have, I have a, a, you know, a builder I've been waiting on for a while to do some work. Clear commitment, I mean, in writing commitment that this is going to happen. Um, clear timeline, um, and that's not, and that's not currently happening. So in those kind of situations, I think, you know, one of the things to do is really just to use the GTD system. Use your systems. Don't, um, in a sense, don't give more headspace than is, than is merited. And it can sometimes be hard to do if it's an annoying, an annoying thing. And it always annoys me when someone doesn't have the same standards about keeping commitments as, as I do. But getting the waiting for list going, getting the calendar reminders going, being a squeaky wheel without having to feel, uh, you know, necessarily a lot of upset, you know, behind it, uh, just because someone isn't doing things the way that, that you would like them to do. So I think um, the GTD system can work really well, even in environments where other people don't necessarily play by those same rules, at least to keep you sane, I guess, is, is, is the message Um for me, but I'd, I'd be curious too if you have any um, war stories or any you know people that are, that were you know particularly kind of falling down on this or or you know success stories where you know you were able to kind of up level a team using some of the principles kind of in your in your own immediate environment. We do that all the time, obviously in the in the uh, the teaching and the consulting work we do. But I'm wondering, kind of in your environment, what. Uh, what you've seen, what some of those stories might be. Yeah, you know, just as you're as you're talking, I'm reminded about probably the the toughest single coaching engagement that I ever had, and this was this was many years ago, about ten years ago. I was brought in, um, small company, but growing very fast. Okay, uh, I was brought in by the CEO to work with uh, one of his direct reports. Okay. Um, and uh, the, you know, I got talking to the CEO first about a little bit about you know the situation and and a little bit about this person, and what uh, and what sort of unfolded was that this direct report that I was going to be working with was not only a direct report of the uh, of this of this guy, uh, but also <clears throat> this guy I was going to be working with was the stepson of the CEO. Okay, 
So we've got on top of whatever the productivity issues are and whatever the family that, you know, whatever the, uh, sorry, the, 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 you know, the, the kind of things, things that might have to do with ways of working, we had that dynamic as well, right? And the net result of that was that his motivation, the, the guy that I ended up working with, his motivation to change was really, really, really small, right? He had all kinds of, as you might imagine, all kinds of emotional issues about the position he was in. He was dependent on his stepfather for his employment. I mean, you know, it was just in many ways a kind of a mess. And I tell that story because I think in my experience, one of the things that's most important in any situation uh, is that, that, you know, people, um, uh, you know, that people need to be ready. They need to be open to the benefits that we're offering, number one, and also to, you know, to, uh, changing their ways of working, right? The, the old joke, um, how many, you know, how many therapists does it take to, to change a light bulb? Only one, but it really has to want to change, right? Is, uh, is a joke that comes to mind that maybe sort of summarizes this, uh, summarizes this idea, but, but I think that's core, right? So, 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 okay. In a, in a world or in the reality that not everybody is going to be immediately receptive to, you know, how, yeah, this is going to be helpful for me and it's going to make a difference and I'm really interested to engage with it. Um, maybe back over to you. So, so in environments where you need to create some enthusiasm or, or create that enthusiasm is probably way too strong a word, but just create a bit of openness, right, to what it is that we do and people that aren't familiar what, what kind of, what kind of uh, tips, tools of the trade might you bring to bear in a situation like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, as you talk about that, what comes to mind is another very common um, question we get, which is, how do I fix my partner or spouse? You know, And um, maybe not quite as pointedly as that, but that's sometimes the underlying message. You, know, you read the book and go, oh, this, this really applies to them. <laughs> And good luck with that attitude. What I've found, um, you know, in, in those kinds of situations where you have a close working relationship uh, and, as you said, potentially some other layers of relationship like family or partner, is that often the, 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 the real convincing factor or the way that that works best is when you apply GTD best practices to a situation that you both acknowledge isn't quite ideal. So one, one example uh, from, from my world um, is uh, applying the principle of checklists to uh, various things that my, my wife and I need to collaborate on. Now, we, we use a lot of GTD best practices. Um, we keep agenda lists for each other. You know, we have regular meetings. We basically handle the business of being roommates and uh, co-owners of a property and all those other things in a, in a somewhat business-like way so that we're more or less mostly free to enjoy the good bits of being in relationship. But one area that, that came up, um, and I'm, I don't know if I've told this story before, but one area that came up was just getting ready to leave on trips together and having different standards and different ideas about what that meant to be fully ready uh, to go on a trip. So we each had our individual packing lists, but then I'd kind of be, okay, I'm ready to go. And, uh, and my wife would say, yeah, we're so, we're so not ready to go. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. So immediately what I realized was she had stuff in her head that I didn't have, you know, in, in my awareness. And that's a perfect candidate uh, 
for a checklist. So often, a lot of these alignment things and things that seem like values issues, you know, between people actually are just about, we haven't gotten it out and looked at it together and decided who does, who does what and what constitutes a project in action, etc. So focusing on places where there is some kind of friction and looking for, hey, could could us, you know, deciding who owns the project help here so that we don't, you know, feel resentful that we thought the other person was doing this or that? Could, could checklists help here? Could um, getting a little more clear about who has what area of focus help here? Um, so I, I think people get convinced by practical results more than anything. And uh, that's, that's certainly what I've found and what I encourage people to do rather than you should read the whole book. You should implement the whole system. You should be a completely different person than than the than the person I married because I liked you just the way you were. Um, you know, rather than making it an identity issue right away, um, start to you know start to focus on those places where you can work together using a principle or two. It would be my suggestion. What about you? Other types of relationships, other um, situations where. We can make inroads with this or just can't, just need to, you know, just need to kind of, as you said, keep, keep our sales rigged appropriately, not be, uh, not be a victim and, and control what, what we can control and uh, let other people have the results of their own choices in their own lives. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, another coaching that I did with someone who's a, a very, very successful coach of a, of a, in a particular sport, um, and uh, I, I, I spent a day with him. <clears throat> Absolutely fascinating. Um, and he, um, one of the things that he said to me uh, was, uh, he, he was famously, I and mean, still is, famous for having done a very, very good job of taking uh, a team of people with very different personalities and and you know it's it's a sport where there's a lot of individual competition even though within a team even though there is a team right so um anyway and he said to me uh, uh he said forget about um team harmony he said team harmony is a distraction at best okay and and can really get in the way of you being an effective leader he said, what you need to focus on is goal harmony, okay? So whether or not we like each other, whether or not we get on, you know, all of that to one side, can we agree that we're going together in the same direction and we're headed for the same finish lines, literally? And I've carried that with me ever since. I've always found that really interesting. It goes back to sort of what you were talking about in your, um, in your conversations with your, with your wife about getting ready to go on, on, on trips. I, I, so for me, you know, the way you could translate that into a, uh, you know, into a professional environment and look, I, I get, we're not, we're not saying that this will solve every interpersonal situation, but from, you know, from the point of view of let's, let's try to reduce friction in the way that we work together. I think one really helpful question, whether or not we are, um, you know, whether or not the people that we're working with are, implementing GTD best practices to the level that we'd like them to be doing it is to say, okay, are we agreed where we're going now? Let's get really practical at that point. When you get to the point where you've sat with somebody that you're working with and you've agreed, here's the outcome. This is what done looks like really important to have a place where 
that outcome is documented and where you review it regularly, right? So that would be an example, right? If you wanted to put GTD words on that, that would be a, some sort of a shared projects list probably, right? And you would ju then just agree, okay, we're gonna look at this when we get together and make sure that we're both comfortable um, you know, that we're making progress in the right direction. We can talk about it and, and it'll, we'll be flexible about it and, and we'll, you know, uh, uh, we'll, we'll modify it as far as that's justified, but we are agreed this is where we're headed. So I think, and again, that's not, you know, coming up with a shared vision of done and then reviewing it regularly, that's absolutely GTD best practice. But if you've got somebody who's being at all resistant about implementing GTD for whatever reason, and just don't call it GTD, right? Just call it, just say, well, here's some things we're going to do. I mean, I, when I was still working as a manager in the, in the big corporate that I used to work for um, many years ago now, um, the, one of the things that I used to require for all of my direct reports was that they would bring a projects list with them to every weekly meeting, right? Just as you've described. Um, and, and I think that was, and, and I didn't particularly call it GTD. I mean, there was no mystery that I was implementing GTD and that that was something that was part of how I was working, but I didn't require that my people sort of bought into it to the same level, but I said, here's the deal. You need to bring a projects list with you every week. And I use the definition of project that we use in GTD. So, so, um, so yeah, I guess in greasing the skids to help other people get engaged, an, an interesting question for me is to what extent do we need to label it, right? Or do we just need to focus on what the best practices are? I think that's great. And one of the things I love about that is that um, that the practical reality wins, you know, that, that, you know, you can just fall back on this is stuff we both said we wanted to be true. And these are some great ways to march toward that. And then as I think a key is as that success shows itself, uh, you can start to potentially drop in that some of this comes from this methodology. Um, called called GTD, you know, if they're interested, if they're if they're up for that, I always find the the kind of soft sell really really works when it's grounded in practical results, you know, that people that people want to know rather than uh, want to be fixed, if you like. One other topic I wanted to talk about is the boss, um, because I think a lot of people when they say, um, you know, other people are getting in the way of my productivity, actually there's a there's a dot 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 one of them potentially as a manager of some kind, either direct or, or dotted line or what have you. Um, so curious, curious your thoughts on, on this one too, because this is the place where I see a lot of people getting into victim mode. And um, as you said, GTD, I think very much is about taking charge, um, taking responsibility for your choices and the choices you have, um, not getting into victim mode. And so, you know, when I think about the boss factor, one of the things I think about is, you know, that part of their job is to help you manage to some extent your relative priorities and what you're doing and what's, and what's going on. So you having really good systems and you sharing the results of those systems can help a lot. I found out recently that our own Ed Lamont uses me as an example in seminars of someone that, that says no well. <laughs> I didn't even know this, but but I come up. I'm the guy. He's that Robert Peake guy, who you know he kind of sort of love, loves and hates for it. But it's true that when Ed comes to me with stuff, I say, "Hey Ed, that's great. 
here's some of the stuff I'm working on, help me understand the relative priority of it. Which isn't no per se, but it is help me, you know, help me optimize so you get the best and most you want out of me. And bear in mind that these are also things that we said together that we wanted to be true. You know, and sometimes it is frustrating for a boss to go, well, I want you to just I want you to do everything all at once, you know. But the reality is that good managers know that that um, that there is one you, and they'll acknowledge that. And if they're not, and if it's not meeting your standards, you're still not a victim. You know, it's it's called find find an environment where your standards are met, and take us with you. Take us with you as you know, and get your team trained in GTD as well. Um, but I've actually said that, you know, I've said that in in corporate corporate seminars it's like look if you're really feeling like you have totally different standards or you've outgrown the standards you know then you still have choices i think people were a little surprised it's like you're being you're being paid by this company's hr department how can you say you still have you have choices beyond uh beyond those that that are are available in this in this organization it's like that's just reality that's just reality is that you always have choices, I think, to not to not be a victim. But the boss is a big one. You know, it's um, people, people, a lot of people leave their jobs. The number one thing they really leave their jobs about is is the boss. Curious, curious what your experience has been either as a coach and, uh, and in seminars, seeing other people with difficult bosses or your own. We won't name names or maybe maybe a friend of yours, as it were, or whatever. Um, but curious, curious what you've seen around uh, that one uh, as as well. Yeah, before I, before I get onto the boss, just very briefly coming back to some of the ideas you talked about, about the ability gracefully to say no. Um, one of the people that I've coached in the last several months, um, senior senior person at one of the uh, financial institutions here in London, and he, um, and he actually said to me, he said uh, that he's famous for being able to do this. And, and the phrase that he uses when presented with things that, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's looking for a gentle way to say a version of no. What he says is, well, to that, it's not no, but it's not yet, is what he says, which I really love, right? Because what that tells the person is, I'm, I'm really sorry, in the, gro- in, in, in the greater scheme of things right at the moment, that's not something I can focus on, but I'm not saying no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving, you know, the possibility open that I'm going to work on it in the future. So I quite like that phrase, and I, I, I may nick that and start to use it myself. Um, as far as the boss is concerned, you know, it's a tricky one, right? I mean, I think, but that said, I think you can gently encourage better behavior out of your boss, not in the interest of sort of, you know, trying to mold the boss into something that he or she is, uh, so, sorry, isn't, but rather it, it, in your own interest. Okay, so the kind of thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, don't don't walk into your boss's office necessarily and say, Hey, boss, I went to this GTD seminar, I got coached in GTD, and they talk about this thing called a projects list, and I put it together, and here it is, now we're going to talk about it. But rather just go in and say, hey, one of the things I think that would be really helpful for me is if you and I could, over time, develop a list of the the outcomes, the projects that I'm working on, okay, we'll review that regularly, and we can just both be clear that I'm focused on the right things, and that you and I are clear what the relative priorities of things are. I've just described the best practice in a way that doesn't involve GTD. <laughs> it doesn't involve the word <laughs> or the letters GTD. Um, that might land better, right? Um, and and sen- so I guess what I'm getting at is, and th- th- this is maybe the more general point, is that over time, by by being um, you know practitioners, by using the language, by exhibiting the benefits, 
we can gently encourage better behavior, uh, behavior, you know what I mean, better, better results in the, in the sense that, you know, folks will be, um, well, more helpful for us from a selfish point of view, but also, you know, more, uh, more effective and efficient themselves. Uh, and if it helps to do that without mentioning the methodology per se, fine by me, um, you know, at some point, as you say, it's probably worth, worth uh, saying, oh, and by the way, everything that I've been doing over the last little while, here's the book, <laughs> or, or here are the folks to call to get coached or go on a seminar. Um, that's probably also appropriate as well. That's great. So I, I'm conscious of our time. We'll probably need to to wrap up here. But I just had to say, with before the words "not yet" came came out of your mouth in that um, in that anecdote about the senior person you were coaching, I I I flashed back in that moment to my baby sister, who at the age of two, as you know, two year olds are famous for once they're kind of discover their own ego, their own will, uh, saying no. But for whatever reason, weirdly enough, my sister used to say, not yet, not yet. Would you like to go to the park? Not yet. You know, you want to eat your peas? Not yet. And so it just, it just cracked me up uh, to realize she is out. She is now a, a certified GTD coach. So, <laughs> so there you go. Maybe some of it is <laughs> nature rather than nurture. Who, who knows? Who knows on that one? Uh, but. For those of you listening, thanks for, for being with us. Hopefully this this has been uh, useful food for thought. For those of you at whatever stage of the GTD journey are finding that these best practices are helping you and, of course, wanting to help those around you. We uh, do this regularly, and we are always interested in your thoughts, questions, comments. If you go to next-action.co.uk, there's an easy way to contact us there. And as we do this regularly, we also um, do a variety of other uh, topics through other uh, associates in our network. And that shows up on YouTube quite a lot. And uh, so the easiest way to get notified of that is to click the subscribe and also click the little bell icon there. If you are getting this as, a, as an audio podcast, obviously you're already you're already in and on and, and be sure to, to share this. Uh, that's one of the best things you can do to support us in continuing to just, to just put this out for free. And we have a new toy here at Next Action Systems. We have something we're really excited about, a, a new initiative called the GTD Collective. For those of you in the UK and Ireland specifically, um, you can subscribe on YouTube. So if you go to our, our channel on Next Action uh, associates channel on YouTube. You can subscribe and for a very low monthly fee get access to exclusive content. You'll get videos uh, sooner than, than the general public but also access to things like live weekly reviews. Um, we're doing one in just a moment after this after this recording anyway um, where you can you, you know meet fellow GTDers, provide uh, provide some some support to each other during the live sessions as you um, as you do this critical best practice altogether. So we felt the need for some kind of community and some kind of support as well as um, to be able to offer exclusive content to those of you that are really keen and really into it. So have a look at the GTD Collective if that's interesting to you. Do get in touch about it, anything and everything you'd like to hear on future podcasts. And yeah, don't call it GTD, just call it what works. We'll be back next time for more more of what works. And until then, be well, go well. See you then. <laughs>